call it a night. As Rap took up a position across the street, and one door down from the Gramercy Tavern, he reached into his pocket and fished out a pack of Marlboros. Standing in the rain in New York City doing nothing might get you noticed, but throw in a cigarette, and you looked like all the other addicts battling the elements to get their fix. Rap turned away from the street and faced the blank facade of the building behind him. He tilted the umbrella so it looked as if he was trying to block the wind and flicked his lighter. He wasn't worried about the wind, but he was worried about one of the other drivers catching a glimpse of his face in the glow of the flame. After a deep pull off the cigarette, Rap casually looked out from under the rain-soaked umbrella and across the street. The target was sitting in one of the restaurant's big windows, sharing a meal, a lot of booze, and too much conversation with a man Rap had never met and hoped to keep that way. The other man was a concern, to be sure, but Rapp was not in the habit of killing private citizens simply because they were witness to the ramblings of a bitter man who was past his prime. Despite every effort to find a different solution, Rapp's mood was decidedly fatalistic. The surveillance team had the restaurant wired for sound, and for the last two hours he had been sitting in a parked Lincoln town car listening to his co-worker trash-talk the agency. As Rapp watched him take a drink of wine... He wasn't sure what bothered him more, the man's self-serving criticism or his reckless behavior. One would think that anyone who worked at the CIA would be a little more careful about when and where he decided to commit treason. So far his associate had done little more than espouse his political and philosophical views. Bad form, to be sure, but nothing that had risen to the level of outright sedition. Rapp, however, could sense that it was coming. The man had been drinking heavily. He'd downed two gin martinis and four glasses of red wine, and that wasn't counting the bump or two he'd probably had on the flight up from D.C., and possibly at the hotel bar. Rapp had ordered his surveillance people to steer clear the airports. There were too many cameras, and trained law enforcement types who would eventually be interviewed by the FBI. If the night went the way it was looking, every moment of this guy's life would be rewound and scrutinized and they'd start with that U.S. Airways commuter flight he'd taken out of Reagan National up to LaGuardia earlier in the day. Rapp casually took another drag from the cigarette and watched as the waiter placed two snifters of cognac in front of the men. A few minutes earlier, Rapp had listened as the other man tried to pass on the after-dinner drink. Rapp got the feeling the man was starting to think the dinner meeting had been a waste of his time. Rapp's co-worker, however, insisted that they both have a drink. He told the other man he was going to need it after he heard what he was about to tell him. Now, with the rain softly pelting his umbrella, Rapp watched the waiter place two sniffers on the table. The waiter was still within earshot when the man from Langley leaned in and began to tell his story. Rapp heard every word via a wireless earpiece. For the first few minutes it was all innuendo— Rapp's co-worker put his information on the table in a series of hypotheticals, and while Rapp had no doubt that the lawyers at the Justice Department would have found wiggle room in the statements, Rapp saw them as further proof of the man's reckless intent. Anyone who had been read in at this level of national security knew what could be discussed and what was strictly off-limits. Rapp was in the midst of lighting his second cigarette when the conversation moved from the abstract to the concrete. It started with the specific mention of an operation that was known to only a handful of people, including the president. This is it, he thought to himself. 
The idiot is really going to do it. As casually as he could, Rapp brought his eyes back to the big window of the restaurant. There, the two men sat, hunched over the table, their faces no more than a foot apart, one speaking in hushed tones, the other looking more horrified with each word. The classified designations came pouring out in a rapid-fire staccato of dates and targets. One secret after another was tossed onto the pile as if they were inconsequential nuggets of gossip. The breadth of the damage was even worse than Rapp had dared imagine, so bad, in fact, that he began wondering if he shouldn't simply march across the street, pull out his gun, and execute the idiot on the spot. As quickly as things had heated up, though, they came to an abrupt halt. Like some belligerent drunk who'd consumed one ounce too much of alcohol, the man from Langley put away his wares and announced that he'd only divulged a fraction of what he knew, and that before he said anything further,